Bidzy Small Business Society number 196. You're listening to Bidzy Small Business Society. I'm Rob Barisoff. We talk to small business owners about what makes their small business successful. Connect with Bidzy Small Business Society at bidzy.com and grow your business. Hey guys, quick message to let you know I've teamed up with Audible and I wanted to give you the opportunity to try their platform free for 30 days. And along with that 30-day free trial is a free audiobook download from a library of over 180,000 titles. I recently listened to Tim Ferriss's 4-Hour Workweek and you'll find other audiobooks from great entrepreneurs like Gary Vee, Grant Cardone, Robert Kiyosaki, as well as tons of other nonfiction and fiction authors. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash Bidzy, B-I-D-S-Y. Try it free for 30 days. There's no obligation. You've got nothing to lose and a free audiobook download to gain. That's at audibletrial.com forward slash Bidzy. Bidzy.com is the website that connects customers and respected local businesses. Customers list goods or services they need and businesses bid on them. Customers, if you're looking for a service provider or a local professional, go to Bidzy.com and post your projects for free. Businesses, if you're looking for new customers or a way to expand your customer base, sign up for your 30-day free trial today at Bidzy.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bidzy Small Business Society. Today I am chatting with John Livesey. John is the author of the new book, The Successful Pitch, Conversations About Going From Invisible to Investable. His purpose revolves around giving startups the secret to becoming irresistible to investors. John fulfills that purpose as the pitch mentor at startfast.net, which is the number one accelerator in upstate New York. John's been featured in Entrepreneur and Inc., and he shares more content on his popular weekly podcast called The Successful Pitch. Welcome, John. Thanks for taking the time today. Can you first tell us more about yourself than about what projects you're working on today? Sure, Rob. It's great to be with you. I am currently finishing up a book tour. I've appeared on three different networks in six different cities talking about how to ask for what you want and get a yes. And I love doing it because it's live TV and, man, you have to be fully present when those cameras come (laughs) zooming at you. Absolutely, yeah. So I guess you're talking about getting what you want, not necessarily in selling books, but you're talking about startups who are looking for investors primarily. Is that right? Yes, that's what the book is about, how to craft a really concise, compelling, and clear pitch so that you become irresistible to investors. And then to get it to be where it's more a broader topic for television, they just expanded it on how to get how to ask for what you want and get a yes. So that implies pitching for anything. Yep, absolutely. So take us back. What was happening around you that you saw as this opportunity to launch this business, this brand around helping startups with their pitches? Well, I was working at Condé Nast for over 15 years and was fortunate enough to win salesperson of the year. And they promoted me into the corporate division where I handled multi-million dollar accounts like Lexus and Guest Jeans across W and Vogue and Vanity Fair and GQ and Wired and Arc Digest, et cetera. And they asked me to find startups uh, that we could use to help monetize the brands because Condé Nast was experiencing a problem where 
people weren't clicking on static banner ads and the advertisers weren't willing to keep spending money on ads that weren't giving them a return on investment. So I found a startup called Hallstars, H-A-U-L-S-T-A-R-S, and they have a shoppable video player. And I thought, mm, that could be interesting. So I had the guy come in and pitch, and he confused everybody, Rob. He talked about how it worked, the pricing was all over the place, time stamping. Nobody understood the problem we were solving. And they said, we're not going to use that. And I said, let me work <laughs> with him. So I helped him with his pitch, and I said, look, the problem you're solving is no one's clicking on a static banner ad. The solution you're offering is a shoppable video player that goes over a video ad instead of a static ad of a day in the life of a fashion blogger that people could click on the clothes while watching the fashion blogger talk and buy them and get a return on investment. Let me help you pitch that. When we did that, then they said, yes, take it to the AG Jeans. AG Jeans said, I love it. They sold $50,000 worth of jeans in three days. <laughs> Style.com got to keep a client happy and Hallstars got proof of concept. And I realized, I think there's a problem here. Tech startups in particular don't know how to pitch. Yeah, this guy might be talking about, uh, you know, to potential investors, talking about how the code works in the background to make that banner go live, right? Exactly. He thought that was a cool feature that everybody would want to know about. And I'm like, this is no, not how you sell something. So I realized that when I did a little digging, I, only 1% of pitches ever get funded. They hear about 2,500 pitches in a year, the investors, and only fund 25 and 24 of them have to come from a warm introduction. Wow. So talk to that small business owner, that entrepreneur who might have a great idea right now. How far along on their journey do they need to be before they're going to uh, reasonably get in front of a bunch of invest investors to, to, to pitch them? Sure. Well, I say this is ladder of going from invisible to investable. And at the bottom rung of the ladder is when you're invisible, much like dating, right? <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> uh, you know, when you're like, you see somebody and they don't even notice you're in the room. That's a lot of, this is where you just have an idea in your head. You don't have anybody on your team and you're invisible. Then the next rung up is to go to insignificant, which in the dating world, I don't know what's worse, Rob, invisible or insignificant. <laughs> <laughs> but if, from a business standpoint, it's like, well, I've got a couple people on my team. We haven't tested this idea yet. We don't really have a minimal viable product or anything to even show anybody. That's pretty insignificant. Then you get to interesting. And in the dating analogy, maybe you say something that's clever or funny and somebody goes, oh, I'm interested to see if there's some, they're not ready to go out with you yet. But Sure, it, I've been hitting the gym. I threw on a little bit of cologne, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever it is that makes you interesting. So that's typically where – Judy Robinette, my business partner, and I in Crack the Funding Code need people to be kind of like the Disneyland. You have to be this tall to ride the ride. And what interesting looks like is you have some minimal viable product, something that you've tested. You've done a little bit of research and actually talked to people who would be your potential clients and said, hmm, we would use this. We would pay for this. Uh, put us on an email waiting list so when it comes available. There's a little bit of traction. doesn't even have to be revenue yet. And that you're solving a big problem that can be scalable so an investor could get their money back in three to five years. That's where we get. And then we help get those people from the interesting level up to intriguing, which is about 75%. And then you want to become irresistible and get multiple offers of funding. Awesome, man. I love the dating parallels there. That uh, really articulates it well. That's great. So it just sounds to me like we need to have that MVP, that minimum viable product before we can even consider this. Is that right? I would say so. And also that not only do you have something that's working, 
but then you need to know that it's solving a problem that people are willing to pay for. So it's market, you know, product market fit and proof of concept, like I was describing with the Hall Stars example. Right? He had he had that when AG Jeans used it and had great results. I'm like, okay, now you can go get funding because you've gotten one customer to give you your first check, or they, you know, and they're off and running, and then multiple customers come in after that, and then to scale it, you need the investor money. Yep, makes sense. Now we're talking about the journey of a lot of your clients here. I want to dig into your journey. Like you're enjoying some success. It probably wasn't always that way, John. So tell us about your biggest challenge in business or otherwise, but what sticks out in your mind as your biggest challenge? And we're looking for some of the actionable steps you took to really embrace and overcome that challenge if you could. Sure. Well, when I first left Connie Nass and started helping people with their pitch, the first thing I had to do was really figure out who my avatar, my ideal client was, right? And niche down to, you know, cause I was talking, people were like, oh, will you help me with my pitch for real estate? Would you help me for this? Would you help me? I'm like, whoa, that's <laughs> all over the place. So when I figured out I'm going to help tech CEOs who are, tend to be left brain and I can help them get into the right brain where storytelling occurs and that's where people buy is the right brain emotionally. Um, I started, you know, off and running. And I really targeted my Facebook ads and had a webinar and spent all this time and money. And I got 72 no's in a row. <laughs> You're just thought, mining through okay. those no's to get to that yes, though, man. <laughs> Either I have the wrong market or the wrong message. I'm, am I crazy to think that uh, people who need money for funding will, don't have, will find money to help me with their pitch? And I kept hearing that people said, I definitely need help with my pitch, but I also need introductions to investors. And I thought, well, I don't know any investors. I don't know how to do that. And by the 10th person saying that to me, I thought, I got to figure this out, right? That's the big lesson. Listen to what your prospective customers want and are willing to pay for and figure out a way to get it to them. So when someone said to me, well, why don't you start a podcast and start interviewing investors? I thought, well, why don't I go to the moon? I mean, that just seemed like... A- <laughs> Why do I do that? I don't know. And um, I really realized I had a lot of fear around that. And so I thought, I got to put some faces on this because otherwise I'm just stuck. So the first fear was the fear of rejection. What if I ask people to be on my podcast and people go, well, can I hear some episodes? I'm like, well, I don't have any. You'd be the first. (laughs) But I realized, you know, the real takeaway here is don't ever reject yourself or your idea. So that's a big thing to get overcome. Like, and I've been in sales long enough to realize, okay, if somebody says no to being my guest, I'm fine. I'll just go to the next person. But the next one was the fear of failure. And I thought, well, what if I spend all this time and money on a podcast and then nobody downloads it? I'll be embarrassed. It'll be a flop. And one of my early guests was Jay Salmon, who wrote a great book called Disrupt You. And he said, you know what? Failure is just feedback. Keep going till you get a zombie idea so great it won't die. <laughs> oh, that's great, man. That's so great. Yeah, so, and I mean, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so I'm like, all right. And then the third face is the face of the unknown. And this was my big one that almost stopped me from doing the podcast. And I thought, I don't know how to edit a podcast. I don't even know what mic to buy, let alone record it. It was just on and on and on. And I found someone that that's what they do, done for you podcasting. So my advice here is, Don't go it alone. Collaborate. So I decided to invest in myself, start my podcast. Lucky for me, my second guest was Judy Robinette, who a few months later became my business partner. And she has this whole network of investors. And she started sending me guests. And now we combine our skills and we're off and running. But that was 
had I not made that decision to invest in myself and figure out a way to start my podcast, I would never have been where I am. Great stuff, man. Look, fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of the unknown. We have to get our head in the right space to conquer all of this stuff. Right, John? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. Now, you talked about those challenges, and those are a lot of challenges that we experience in the Small Business Society. But I want you to flip this. Talk about your rewards. Why is it so great to be John Livesey? <laughs> well, you know, um, it's the willingness to keep learning that makes me excited. And what I really am passionate about is helping people get funded. And and I helped someone recently, Mallory Dyer, who was a former math teacher that created an application to help low-income students who can't afford a $100 plus Texas Instrument scientific math calculator, but they can afford a $5 app on their smartphone that they all tend to have. So she created a way that the phone locks out everything except that scientific calculator. And we helped her craft a three-minute pitch, and she won and got funded. And then I put her in touch with an investor in Detroit who said, we're looking for just this kind of thing to help inner-city schools in Detroit, and then we can take that across the country. Wow, man, how great is that? Yeah. So that feels great. The email from her, all the tips I gave her on how to be confident when she pitched, all the you know, concise messaging that we had to make people understand it instantly, the investor's interest, all of that feels fantastic. And then to turn the podcast into a book and then turn the book into a a way to get on television and learn those skills and get the message out even bigger, it's been thrilling. Man, great brand, great brand. So you have all of these different channels to connect. I want to ask you this though, what other methods are you using or did you use in the early days to effectively grow your audience or your client base? And I want you to help the aspiring entrepreneur understand a few things about gaining some traction in a super crowded and a super noisy marketing and social media landscape, John. So uh, I decided to use Facebook ads. And there's a lot to learn on how to do that, believe me. You test your image, you test your headline, and you have to figure out the interest groups. And that's why it's so important to know who your ideal customer is so you can target that particular person. When you speak to one person and their problem, so the headline in the Facebook ad is, are you frustrated you can't get an investor to say yes? Boom, that says it right there. If that's you and you're a small business person seeking funding and you've been trying and you can't get a yes, you're probably going to probably going to click on that ad. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, then they're taken to a landing page where they say, you know, you can listen to this webinar coming up and here's the four things you're going to learn in the webinar, how to get in the right room, how to get the right pitch, all those great things. And then there's a 30 minute webinar and that talks about case studies, what problem we solve, who this is for, and who this is not for, Rob. I think that's really important for everybody to really take away is don't try to be all things to all people. Uh, And then after they watch the webinar, they're taken to a place where they can schedule a call with me. And they have to also then fill out an application uh, because we don't talk to everybody. We, We qualify them that way. And then from there, we see if there's a fit. Awesome. Yep, that's great. So um, you're obviously big on Facebook, it sounds like, but in your opinion, what will be the dominant social media platform in 12 to 24 months and why? Oh, boy. Well, I'm also big on Twitter. Don't get me wrong. Um, I have over 10,000 followers on Twitter, and I think Twitter, while it might be having some challenges financially of who's going to buy them and all that other stuff, how they're going to make a lot of money, people seem to really... Uh, engage with you there. And I've been able to get a lot of leads that way just from posting things. So 
it's hard to predict which is going to be the dominant one. I mean, I, I don't think you can count out LinkedIn either um, as a valuable way to connect with people through groups. So I would say I still um, think Facebook has a lead over those other two as a great way to connect with potential customers. Now, you mentioned webinars. Are you guys big on video? And if so, what's the impact with that? Well, the webinar is a recording of slides uh, that we record. So it's not, it's that, that's how we do it. However, I've created a book trailer that's about two and a half minutes. And I've used that uh, where I talk about myself as the pitch whisperer. And I talk about the three mistakes to avoid when you're pitching and what investors are looking for and all that good stuff. And I've put that video inside a Facebook ad as opposed to just a static image. And that's done very well. So that's a great tip. Where do we find that video? Are we just going to see it on our Facebook feed or do you have it housed at your website or? No, it's, it's on my website too. Yeah. There's clips of me on TV and there's the book trailer up there and um, all kinds of good stuff. Yep. Awesome. So we'll, we'll link that up in the show notes page, obviously, and we'll give you a chance to, to we'll give our listeners another chance to sort of uh, write that down or uh, visit that site uh, towards the end here. But I'm going to make a bit of a shift here, John. I want to ask you this. Do you love to win or hate to lose and why? You know, that's so interesting. I like that question a lot because it really talks about what your motivation is. Is it, uh, and I, you know, going back to athletics, I used to swim competitively and a lot of people said, you know, the thing that motivates them to swim that extra lap in the swimming world was that they just hated losing so much. Um, but I'm a big believer of focus on what you want, not what you don't want. So for me, I know what it feels like to win a swim race. I know what it like feels like to win salesperson of the year. That's the feeling I want to have. And so that's what motivates me. In fact, one of the tips that I can give your listeners is how to be more confident before you pitch. And I literally have people stack their moments of certainty. And what that simply means is you write down four or five times in your life when you knew you nailed it, right? For me, winning a swim race, winning the Condé Nast salesperson of the year, getting my book published, whatever it is. I remember all those moments before I go in to pitch anything else. And that's what you want to have in your head to keep you going. Yep. Awesome. Focus on what you want, not what you don't want. Great quote there. Give us something actionable. What do you do to wind down after a long or stressful day? Well, I have two dogs. So that keeps me in the moment and they have specific needs like being fed and walked. And I don't take my phone on those walks. I always find a lot of people walking their dog. You're not in the moment. You don't get to see the other people walking. You don't connect with nature and other people. So take a break. Be in the moment. Yep, good stuff. Boil this thing down for us, man. What is the one thing you want to leave with our listeners about honing their pitch to potential investors? I think the big thing to take away is don't sell tell stories instead. When you sell, you push your message out. But when you tell stories, you pull people in and you get them to engage emotionally. And when you tug at those heartstrings, you get people to open their purse strings. Awesome. Man, so this has been great, full of actionable tips. There's obviously a lot more. There's going to be a lot of uh, ways that we need to get in front of potential investors. First, if people want to learn more about how you can help them do that, if they want to learn more of the tips and tricks that you outline in your book or your podcast, John, how can we find you? On Twitter, uh, at John underscore Livesey, L-I-V is in Victor, E-S-A-Y, JohnLivesey.com has a place to buy my book, a place to watch the webinar for free, a place to link in and, and listen to the podcast. So that's the best way. 
Awesome. We'll be sure to link everything up in the show notes page. This has been great, Ben. Thank you for taking the time today to join us on Bidzy Small Business Society. You take care. Thanks, you too. Looking for more great audio content? Go to audibletrial.com forward slash Bidzy for a free audiobook download and access to a library of over 180,000 titles. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash Bidzy. Thank you for joining us today on Bidzy Small Business Society. Go to Bidzy.com for information and resources on how you can grow your business. Support Bidzy Small Business Society by writing a review and giving us a five-star rating in iTunes. Your positive review and five-star rating will allow us to continue bringing you free, valuable content from amazing and inspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners. Rate and review Bidzy Small Business Society today. 